Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. Well, all right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me today. Glad you're listening. Happy you are here. Well, we've been hearing for some time now that men are in crisis. Even, you know, even with all the, you know, feminist talk and, and I'm not, look, I really am not one way or the other. I think, I think it's great uh, having women in the workforce. I think some of the brightest people I know in my industry are, are women. Uh, they're very, uh, they're well, very well liked. They're very organized. They're uh, aggressive when they need to be. They're, you know, they do a great job. And and I'm not advocating that uh, that there's something wrong with you know helping women in certain industries and things like that. But men are in in big crisis, and. There, there are things that aren't necessarily related to work. There are things like family law, where women are preferred uh, in custody cases, and um, men are treated pretty poorly during divorces, and they're they're treated pretty badly in a in a couple of critical areas that uh, that uh, you know don't do so well. You know, you don't you don't do so well if you if you can't survive these particular life events. And then I would say in the early days too, you know, young boys coming out of high school are not treated academically the way girls are. I mean, uh, you can go online right now and put in scholarship for women in STEM and you'll find dozens and dozens and dozens, multiple hundreds of dozens of scholarship for women. And you can't find any of those scholarships for young boys or men. And so these things, I think, are beginning to take their toll on men. Um, now, there's the technology aspect, which, you know, we're going to use Bill Maher's show. I love Bill Maher's show because he, he wades into these difficult issues, and he does so, I think, in a way that's, you know, it's, it's, it's informative, but it's also fair, you know, and somewhat balanced. Um, and... He's got guys on there, you know, look, I mean, they're still liberal, right? They don't think like I do, but their, their ideas are well thought out. They're not just purely political kind of talking points, which you get from a lot of, a lot of people in media and, you know, um, out in the kind of in the blogosphere and places like that. But, um, Bill Maher, I think really does a good job and brings people on that are, um, that have well thought out positions and articulate them clearly. So I like going to his show to uh, look at some of these topics. And, and this one on men, I think is, is is an important one. And, and you can tell that Bill Maher himself is concerned about this. So, and I I think we, we should all be, I mean, without, uh, without strong men in society, I think um, you don't have uh, as prosperous a society uh, you, you may not have, uh, uh, birth rates may suffer. Um, there's a lot of bad things that could happen, um, if men don't do well in society. And certainly, you know, if men aren't doing well because of their own actions, that's one thing. 
but we certainly shouldn't be creating institutional hurdles for men to uh, have to scale in order to be successful in society. That's just, um, that's just, I mean, that, first of all, that, you know, liberals are big equality people. I don't, I don't see the equality in that at all. So, um, so anyway, let's listen to Bill Maher bring this subject up and discuss it with his guests. We're, we're trying to get at the root cause. Why are men in such crisis? I mean, the stats are like only 40% go to college. So they're losing out to women there in a big way. And women with degrees don't marry men who right. don't have degrees. So right from the jump, Bill Maher brings up college. And, and this is what I was discussing earlier. Um, there's just um, there's a, a favoritism uh, in the institutions and not just college, by the way, but he brings up college, so we'll talk about that. But there's there's a favoritism in institutions and in private companies, I might add, for women and, uh, and also for minorities. And men are being passed over, qualified men, I might add, men that are smart, men that, um, you know, have succeeded in the previous meritocracy, uh, but are being pushed aside for uh, maybe equally qualified women and equally qualified minorities, but there's no way to really know, right? Because, because um, the 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 signal for the the women or for the minorities is is greater than the meritocracy signal, and and so this is uh, I mean I've experienced this myself uh, with uh, uh, my children being in college. Um, like I said, STEM scholarships were non-existent. I mean, I'm not saying there's not any out there, but I would say 10 or 20 to 1, there are more scholarships for women in STEM than there are for men. And so this is a big challenge, you know, for, for young men. And, um, you know, they've, uh, you know, they have other challenges, right? The, the, the phone, the dating. I mean, I think Bill Maher's going to get into that. Um, I don't know. There's just something. There's something going on anyway, and I think the institutional uh, hurdles it just make it worse. I mean, I think men would be suffering a little bit anyway, but it certainly doesn't help that the family courts uh, are siding with women. And assuming that men don't want their children and this kind of thing, um, you know, I think this is very damaging to men, and it and it uh, it causes them to suffer their relationships with their children and things like that. I mean, there's just a lot of things that men are dealing with, and um, I think college is the probably the least important, but uh, certainly it could be it could mean increased burden, financial burden, on men going to college. They don't marry as much, which I think is great, but other people think that's a terrible thing. Okay. Uh, people do like a, a, a mate, whatever. That's whatever your blo- your boat right. floats by. Um, but there is something going on. I mean... Yeah, and just from the outset, I want to say that, you know, some of these questions and the answers, it, it's somewhat speculative by nature because we don't really know, right, what's causing this. But you do see men not getting married, okay? Uh, why? Why is that happening? I mean, that's kind of part of the American dream, right? 
get married, have a have a family, you know, grow old and watch your family, uh, you know, take on challenges and succeed and and have a full house during Christmas and Thanksgiving and things like this. These are these are things that are deeply embedded in our traditions, in our society, our culture. So why aren't men getting married? So let me let me just speculate a little bit. Well, you know, you know me, I'm always going to go back to the fiat money system. You know, the, the standard of living has gotten more challenging, right? We, we, we are not as prosperous as we used to be. It's harder to, um, to, to take care of an entire family, right? You, I mean, just look at healthcare alone. I heard a statistic uh, a few weeks ago, I think I've mentioned this before, actually, that the average expense, including premiums, in America for healthcare, so premiums and deductible and out-of-pocket expense is almost $24,000 a year. That's $2,000 a month. I mean, who's got like an extra $2,000 a month, by the way, after taxes, that they can just, you know, dump into that? And the, and this is even for young people. This is the average, okay? This is not, we're, we're not talking about older, unhealthy people. We're talking about the average, okay? So if you're a young man and you're looking to get married and start a family, you know, how are you going to do that? And especially if you, if you, you know, have values like, man, I, you and your wife want to, you know, have her stay home to take care of the kids because we've talked about this before, but one of the, the biggest things your kids can get from you uh, or get from the mother raising them at home is empathy, Empathy. Empathy is what keeps you human. It's what keeps you from being a psychopath. And the mother and the mother's uh, nurturing is key to that. I mean, these are scientifically known things. So I, I don't know. A lot of that is embedded in us. And if you, you know, if you're looking at that and you're going, God, that's a, that's like a 20, that's like scaling Mount Everest and, you know, and getting to the top you know, that could have an impact on whether men choose to get married. Now, we've seen this happening for years in the black family. Um, but uh, there's been other uh, situations, there's been other factors causing that. But it doesn't hurt, it doesn't help that black families are going through the same thing. Mass shootings is a uniquely male crime. It's always because some dude in Buffalo you know, had somebody swipe left on him too much. That I mean, I feel like that's what's going on here, is is a lot of sort of maleness coming to the fore and uh, announcing itself in violence and racism and hatred because they're lonely and lost. One thing that's important to point out is that life is hard. Life is really hard. And you know, you have to be mentally tough. I think one of the problems, you know, that men have is too many men are being raised by women, by themselves. Um, and again, you know, the family law system enables that, makes that possible. The uh, subsidies and the safety nets that we have enable that. You know, children need their mother, as I said in the last clip, uh, for a whole lot of, of a lot of things like empathy and, um, 
you know, just the humanity side of, of being a person. That's what they get that from their mother, but they also need to learn how to toughen up and how to be mentally tough and survive the world and, and have learn how to develop a good attitude about surviving in the world. Um, and that they don't get from their mother necessarily. They could, but just it's general. I'm just talking about general roles, general family roles. They don't get that type of stuff from their mother. That's why you see so many young black men that are in trouble. You know, they're being raised by single mothers. And uh, that, you know, uh, it's by design. I mean, the government with its safety nets and its food stamp programs and its subsidies for, you know, uh, whether it be child care subsidies or food subsidies or health care subsidies, they basically have made it so that women can get along without a man. But the problem is, and this is always the trade-off, you know, while that may be good for that particular woman, the trade-off, the unseen, if you will, is that these children are, are being raised by uh, daycare people. And look, I've been around other people's kids enough to know that you, you never love other people's kids as much as you love your own. So, you know, that is not ideal that daycare people are raising children from, I mean, literally, let's say, I don't know, 15 weeks old, 20 weeks old, up until the time they go to public school, you know, kindergarten. Uh, where's, where's the mother's values? How, how, how is that child going to get the mother's values? And so this is a real problem. And, you know, men are in the middle of this, uh, just like women are in the middle of this. But these are, these are created because, um, I believe, because the government drives a wedge into all these traditional, quote-unquote, conservative values. But really, they're just American values. They're, they're, they're values that people grow up with just as a result of growing up in America. And, you know, when you, when you undermine those things, there's a trade-off. There's a cost to it. And like everything else, we don't, we don't ever really consider the cost of, these, um, of the unseen. And this is just the nature of, of the way government promotes things, right? They only promote the good side. They don't, they don't tell you, now look, there's going to be some trade-offs here. Uh, you know, women are going to be living a lot outside of marriage and they're going to be growing up, they're going to be growing their children on their own and raising their children on their own. And some of these boys might get into crime and they, you know, the, the women might lose control. They don't tell you all that. They just tell you, oh, again, you know, many working women need help with health, uh, with childcare and healthcare costs. Well, of course, you know, everybody does, but especially if you don't have a partner raising your children with you and feel that they are not useful in society. The most unstable. How did we get there? The most unstable nations in the world have one thing in common, and that is they have too many lonely, broke, and alone men. It's the most dangerous person in the world. Someone Rusty wasn't attacked because of the fatwa. He was attacked because a guy was living in his mother's basement. We have, we have a crisis among young men, and it starts at a young age. Young men are twice as likely on a behavior-adjusted basis to be suspended. Seven in 10 high school valedictorians are women. 
For every one female, for every two female graduates from college in the next five years, you only have one. The scariest stat, walking down the avenue that is America, only one in three men under the age of 30 have had sex in the last year. And you hear sex and your brain fires, but the bottom line is, it's a key step to the elemental foundation of any society, and that is relationships. Yeah, I mean, there is no society without men and women uh, getting together to make children, okay? I mean, civilization would cease to exist. So uh, in order to be around women, men have to learn how to be around women. And um, otherwise, there is no relationship. And without a relationship, there is no society. So this is this is very critical in, in this uh this statement that he makes about only one in three men over the age or under the age of 30 have had sex in the last year. That's, that's, that's not good. That's, um, that, um, you know, that, that's a problem because obviously without sex, there are no children. So, um, but you know, there's a lot of challenges here. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, pressure in society on men. And again, I'm not, I'm not really complaining, you know. I think it's been this way for a while. Uh, the feminists have really the pendulum has swung way, way in the opposite direction. And you know, for some women, it's good to be CEO and to be running businesses and things like that. But the overwhelming vast majority of women are not interested in that, and so they don't want that. They they um, they they. In fact, they act, they actively shun that in a lot of cases. But you know, there's a lot of pressure for for women to go into those things, and and the pressure um, is not just social pressure. This is this is institutional pressure, which you know makes men's lives more difficult. It makes them worry about things, and you know, even in companies, you know, in companies, they're 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 telling you that there's not enough women in your job, that we need more women, uh, you know, and then, and then they tell you, Oh, and by the way, we just don't have a lot of women apply for these jobs. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing that people don't understand, or, you know, the government doesn't understand anyways. Women don't want some of these jobs that are high, highly paid. You know, they don't want to be crane operators. Uh, they don't want to be construction work crews that work on the uh, roads and build houses and, work 30 stories in the air to move steel around. They don't want to do those jobs, you know? So, um, in those, those jobs because of hazard pay are, are, are fairly highly paid jobs. So this whole wage gap thing, all this stuff is nonsense. Uh, it's not corrected for job for job kind of comparison. It's just add up all the women and what they make, add up all the men and what they make and compare the two. And they run around telling you there's a 70, you know, there's a 30 cent pay gap or whatever it is. So a lot of these pressures, you know, they're, they're coming down on men and some men are just like, screw it. You know, this is my life. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to invest in all that. And, but that has societal consequences. So we shouldn't be promoting that at the government level. We shouldn't be instituting, um, safety nets and and other types of uh, assistance that that discourage men and women from getting married and raising a family and all that stuff. We, I mean, we do that at our own peril. You know, and if you, if you want some of that to happen, 
then let let churches do it. Let uh, let uh, uh, charities do it. Charities are really good at that, and they're good at holding people accountable, which is something the government is absolutely horrible at doing. One of the reasons you have so much fraud and all this stuff is because the government can't hold these people accountable. So people flock to these programs, they take advantage of them, they steal from the government, and and then the outcomes aren't even that great. Men, young men aren't attaching to work, they aren't attaching to women, they aren't attaching to schools. We are producing too many of the most dangerous person in society, and we are losing out on a key. We're not going to have kids, we're not going to have a productive society, we're going to have more violence, and also we're going to have a society that does not value uh, young men, and they do not. Young men are different. They develop later. And by the way, if you're a young man, this work from home thing is a disaster. Yeah, I agree. Working from home is a disaster for young people. One of the problems with r- young people is they're not fully secure in who they are. So they sit around and they wonder what their friends are doing, or they they imagine somehow that their friends are living some sort of elaborate, you know, fascinating life, and they feel like they're missing out and. And this is why the phone is such a disaster for for young people, because they get on the phone and they see their friend making all these poses and taking a selfie at some party that they're not invited to, and 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 it makes people crazy. You know, they start thinking about why aren't they? Why didn't they invite me? And why can't I have friends like that that invite me to cool parties and? you know, it's, it just picks at their insecurity and, you know, working from home is fine. If you're, if you're completely secure with yourself and you don't feel like you're missing out, uh, you, 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 you're settled in your ways and you, and you, you understand what you're interested in and what you're not interested in and, you know, those types of things. And now I don't know, look, he talks about violence and certainly, you know, that's possible. Um, I don't know why, but, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot and I know there's a lot of talk about white supremacy and violence and things like that, but all the violence I see is committed by black people. I mean, I don't see, I I shouldn't say all 95% of the violence that I see on Twitter that's posted is usually black men, young black men. And they're either stabbing somebody or beating somebody up or stealing something from somebody or just a pack of them or, you know, beat up somebody and kick them and throw them to the ground. And, and then there's a bunch of others, you know, kind of standing around hooting and hollering and yelling. I mean, I don't understand why there's so much focus on white supremacy. Yes, these loner males do pick up rifles and kill these, you know, uh, kill innocent civilians in these mass shootings. But I think that's more mental health related. Uh, just random violence, carjackings, and all these kinds of things. I don't see that being committed by white supremacists. In fact, every time I see that on Twitter, I comment and I say, "Wow, this white supremacy thing is really getting out of hand." You know, tongue in cheek, obviously. Incidentally, if you want to follow me on Twitter, feel free to do so. I'm at uh, at investor class. So the at sign, the word investor, and the word class all smashed together. I retweet a lot of COVID stuff on there. I retweet 
Uh, I, I troll people, especially if they have dumb ideas around government. So I try to make it a little bit entertaining, but uh, mostly, uh, mostly I'm, I'm on there kind of watching the COVID stuff closely because um, I feel like we're really close to that kind of blowing up and getting out of hand. Um, and, you know, I talk about that in, a, in another show here later. Young men need guardrails. They need to know how to read a room. They need to put on a clean shirt. They know not to get high or drink too much during the week and then get into the office the next day. We have a crisis among young men. It is, it is, it is, it is one of the most, in my view, one of the most dangerous things in our society. And, you know, it's kind of funny about they need to uh, learn how to not drink too much during the week and get into the office the next day on time. You know, when I was younger, it was a lot like that. You know, I would go out with some friends. We'd have some drinks. You know, you always, you know, if it's during the week, you, you stop at like two or three and that was it, man. You had to go home, get some rest, get ready for work the next day. And it's true. You do, you have to learn how to manage your life. That's essentially what he's talking about. And young men uh, and young women, for that matter, need to learn how to manage their life. They need to do that, actually, before they meet one another and start having kids. But, um, you know, working from home is a little bit of a challenge for that because, you know, technically, I suppose you could roll out of bed and nobody knows that you're hungover or you're, you know, you could abuse that. And again, what I, what I was trying to say earlier is when you get a little bit older, you already, you, you've already figured out what it is you'd like. You're, you're not, you, you don't feel like you're missing out. You don't feel like you're chasing something. You get up every day and you do a job because that's what you know you need to do to be successful. And you're not so much in your head, in your own head, about what you're missing out on or who's, who's hooking up with who and who's, you know, is my girlfriend cheating? I mean, I don't know what young people are thinking about, but you're just not in that space um, when you're more mature and you've, and you've lived a little bit of life. And, uh, and I think young people, I think he's right. They do need to get up every day. Now, look, I, again, I take exception to this whole violence thing. I don't see uh, massive numbers of MAGA Trump supporters committing violence. I just don't see it. I don't know what these people are looking at. Uh, I talked the other day uh, on one of the programs about, you know, how there's this real problem with seeing different realities. And I think that's a real thing. I think uh, people, some people just cannot objectively view something without, um, and analyzing it without just having it mean something political to them. And then of course that colors their viewpoint. And for all I know, this NYU professor, he may be that way, or maybe he's not. I mean, he sounds very well thought, you know, his ideas are well thought out. Uh, but the whole violence thing, I don't get, I think that's just a left wing, uh, thing that, um, you know, if you, if you hear that enough on CNN or you hear that enough on MSNBC, you start to believe it. Where do you put the phone in this equation? Because I put it high up. Because, thank you. Because I was reading recently a Tinder, two to one male to female. Oh. What? No, I'm just a 
startling statistic, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, why is it startling? I mean, it sounds like a great idea. Oh, I can just order women like I do a pizza on my phone. I think I'll have the Kelly today. <laughs> Except... <laughs> Except when you, when you go on it, it weeds out the people who aren't the best looking, I think, because it, you know, it used to be go to a bar, okay, maybe it was potluck, but yeah. you have to be able to learn to 100%. talk to a woman. You, you, they, they, I don't think they had to talk to a woman anymore, because it's just on the phone. It's just like, what's up? What's up? And <laughs> send a picture of your penis. Like, that's gonna work. Sometimes. So you? Sometimes. Yeah, you know, when you learn how to talk to a woman, and some of us never learn, like me, you know, but. When you learn how to talk to a woman, you really, it's really clear to you that, wow, we, we think totally differently. And I guess can, you know, people can grow up to be adults and not even really ever realize that, you know, because the only way you really realize that is when you, you, you're, you're in a relationship and I'm not talking about a work relationship. I'm just talking about like a dating relationship where you really get insight into the way the other person thinks. But yeah, the, the phone is a disaster. It's a complete disaster because maybe really people shouldn't even have them until they're adults, but we give them to kids to, you know, entertain them. Uh, we, we rationalize that we want to be able to get a hold of them when we want to. They download all these crazy apps, you know, that uh, we worry about, you know, is, is somebody trying to shape their brain in a way that we don't want it shaped and just all this stuff. But then, of course, then you throw in the whole dating part of it, uh, Tinder and whatnot, and you've got, you know, maybe kind of questionable, you know, type behavior happening, right? You got women kind of treating, I mean, excuse me, men treating women as kind of an object. And then you've got women on there that are, that are uh, kind of, kind of this little power trip thing that they do, you know, when, when, you know, uh, out of 50, 46 of the guys are after you, you know, and you have all the control, you know, so women kind of dig that and they take advantage of it. And it's almost like a sick game. I mean, you know, these are the types of things that can happen with this, with this technology and the way it's, the way it's implemented and the way it's used in our society. And so all these things uh, I'm sure have some sort of impact on the success that men are having our, in our society, but it's really hard to know um, what what's what because you know you throw in the the stuff that we talked earlier about the institutional favoritism that's going on and the bias, and, and so it's really hard to say what exactly is the problem. But certainly, I'm sure all of these things have some effect. You you asked about the phone. Simply put, it's a disaster. Whenever technology comes into an industry, it consolidates it. Mating has been consolidated in the worst way. 50 men on Tinder, 50 women. 46 of the women show all of their attention to just four men, leaving 46 men pursuing just four women. If, if mating was a country, it would be more unequal than Venezuela. We have huge mating inequality. And here's the problem. When people don't get together and there's no pheromones and there's no vibe, women, and we don't like to say this on the left, primarily try and make very quick assumptions about this individual's ability to garner resources in the future. So what you have is this concentration of interest and you're ending up with Porsche polygamy, where 10% of the men get 90% of the attention, which does not lead to good behavior or form long-term relationships. E-commerce was disastrous for retail. Social media was disastrous for everybody. Online dating is disastrous 
for mating and for men. It's terrible. Yeah, I had not heard this before, but it makes a lot of sense to me that if 10% of the men um, are, are getting attention from 90% of the women, uh, I can see how that would create bad behavior in the men, right? Um, you've got, you know, talking about, uh, talk about the saying, there's more, there's more fish in the sea. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more fish in the sea if you're in that 10%. And I could see how that would lead to mistreating women or not treating women uh, properly and all kinds of bad behavior. And by the same token, I can see how the other 46 men just fighting over four women is equally bad, right? I mean, there's a lot of rejection there. There's, you know, the women are getting, you know, bombarded by these 46 men. So this is just probably unhealthy and and not good all the way around, although I'd never heard of it before. But it makes perfect sense to me, and it makes, uh, I think it's logical. Uh, and this NYU professor, he probably has some data on this. He's, he just didn't share. But, yeah, the phone is a disaster. I remember uh, we didn't have phone. I mean, the kids didn't have phones when they were younger, but they had the little handheld toys. And I can remember, you know, they could play them in the car. I'd let them play them in the car, but if – if we got out and went to a restaurant, they had to leave them in the car. And there was a couple of reasons I wanted that. I didn't want them walking through the parking lot with their head down in some game and get run over by a car. But then also, you know, if we're sitting at a table together, you know, we're, you know, we're going to talk to each other because that's what families do. And so that's the way we did it. But, you know, I routinely go to restaurants and I'll see parents walk in and every kid at the table has got a screen. And they're using them as like little babysitters while the, the adults sit there and talk. And so um, this is this is probably going to become an even bigger problem because we got a next, uh, you know, the next generation coming was born with these screens in hand. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, but the, the, the men are definitely suffering from what's happening in our society and it really just doesn't help that institutions are piling on. That was really the point I wanted to make is, you know, culturally, you can't, there's not much you can do about things like Tinder and people using things on their phone and, you know, adapting to these technologies. But, you know, we can do a lot with our institutions. You know, people control those institutions and they're supposed to be there to serve uh, the citizens. And if, if their policies aren't serving citizens because they're favoring women in STEM at the expense of young men, we can change those policies. There's nothing written anywhere in a constitution or elsewhere that says that we have to do that. We can change those policies if we see that they're, they're bad. So, well, look, I hope you enjoyed the show today. I mean, I always enjoy Bill Maher and his conversation He's got an interesting guest on, but he always, he asks interesting questions and questions that, uh, you know, just quite frankly, aren't being asked on CNN, MSNBC, or some Fox News shows like Sean Hannity. And so I, I like Bill Maher. I like to go to his show and kind of dig up some stuff. And if you like that too, great. Share the show with somebody. Share it with a neighbor. Share it with a friend. Share it with a coworker. But share it. And uh, if you're so inclined, go to your podcatcher and write me a, a good review. Maybe uh, somebody will read it and come visit us and join our group and make it larger and larger. Uh, 
So I'll keep coming back and, and creating some of this content. And if you could, if you'll keep coming back, that's the deal I, I'll make with you. Keep coming back and I'll keep coming back. Until next time, who gets to decide? <laughs>